Hi, I'm your host, Bella Page, and welcome to the Post-Concussion Podcast, all about life after experiencing a concussion. Help us make the invisible injury become visible. The Post-Concussion Podcast is strictly an information podcast about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. It does not provide nor substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on this podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are simply intended to spark discussion about concussions and post-concussion syndrome. Welcome to today's episode of the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Bella Page, and today's guest, Stephanie Curlin. Stephanie is a self-taught yogi of 20 years and is married to her high school sweetheart of 26 years. They homeschool their two kids and she works part-time as well. Stephanie was diagnosed with mild TBI and PCS in 2019. Stephanie has been living with chronic pain for about 14 years due to childhood head injuries, four car wrecks, a trampoline accident, and 23 years of headbanging at heavy metal concerts. Her constant daily managing of symptoms has taken her on a long journey of self-discovery. She dug deep in expressing her feelings with art therapy, Reiki, and years of research for creating a holistic lifestyle. Her physical pain and anxiety has stood in the way of many opportunities and personal potential, but despite it all, Stephanie is proud to share she is enrolled in a yoga teacher training program set to graduate in May of 2022. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Yes, thank you for having me. So to start, do you want to tell everyone a little bit about all of the concussion injuries you have sustained? Yes, I want to say it's listening to you speak my bio is hard to hear. I felt a little teary-eyed. Oh my gosh, it's I've been saying it for years, but it sounds different, you know, when somebody else is saying it. Anyway, so I guess let's go back to whenever I was eight years old and I was on my brother's shoulders. He's a year and a half younger than me in the house on his shoulders, just playing around. I fell off his shoulders and hit my head on the corner of the wall. And my dad took me to go get stitches, to go get checked out. Nothing showed up as far as any sort of long-term damage. They stitched me up and away I go. The next one, I was 13. Me and my friend heard about this thing going on in the schoolyard and we decided to try it after school on the hill. And uh, it's where you lean over and take 10 deep breaths and then you come up and then somebody, you hold your breath and come up and somebody squeezes you from behind. And she squeezed me really hard and I fell to the ground and I woke up holding my head and she was jumping up and down crying and saying, I thought you were dead. You were flopping around like a fish. So that was some damage there. I had a seizure. I didn't tell anybody, didn't tell my parents, didn't want to get in trouble. I just went home and I wrote it in my diary and I didn't tell my mom until I was in my 30s. I guess age 16 to 39, I met my husband, my future husband, whenever we were in high school, and he's a drummer, and he's always played in shows and done side projects, and so we've been very active in local music and going to concerts, and I remember one time I was at a show, and the lead singer jumped off and hit me in the face. I broke his landing. That was one. 
Another time I broke my nose whenever we were at a show and got rushed to the hospital. And I also jacked my jaw then. And that became TMJ became of that. What else? I had a car wreck between 19 and 20 on the way to college. The airbag came out and I didn't go to the ER. I didn't do any follow-up with a doctor. Another wreck in whenever I was in my 20s, my head hit the inside roof of the truck and I did go to the ER for that. I am assuming they did x-rays and they said, well, your brain's not bleeding. So follow up with your primary care physician. And I never did. I'm still headbanging, by the way. Didn't go to the doctor for that. There's a wreck in my 20s and 30s where I slid off the road, like I was going slid off the road on some gravel. I ended up in a farmer's field, went through there. Oh, their barbed wire cracked my windshield. No ER, no follow-up with a doctor. I guess since I continued to walk away from these wrecks and walk away and wake up the next day from these shows that gave me terrible headaches and a very weak neck for a week after, I thought that they were just not serious, that I was bouncing back. Plus, my going rate for staying at a job was between six to nine months. So I didn't acquire insurance that I would get to to go to a doctor to for them to hold my hand and get checked out. And I also had experiences with friends and neighbors who dealt with addiction, overdose, and death. So I did not want to go down the medicine train of the suggestions with doctors. I did try a couple things a very short period of time with no help, no avail. Still headbanging. At age 40, I hit my head on some metal at work. I was working. I was not headbanging. And I couldn't remember in my employee number after that. The last time I went to a show and the last time I headbanged was at the state fair whenever I was age 39. And I'm 42 now. Yeah, well, it's quite the combination of injuries and a variety of different ways. I know. I'm sorry. It's very exciting. It <laughs> <laughs> happens. There's quite a few of us who there's just everyone always asked my injuries and it's just there's a list and they're all very different for sure. But one of my favorite things actually that you mentioned when we talked before was when you were trying to actually get to the root of your problems, you kind of explained it like an onion. Now, do you want to explain that a little bit for everyone? Yes. Since I wasn't going to a lot of doctors, since I wasn't seeking out the advice of professionals, I guess, kind of stubborn, trying to figure it out on my own, I went down a long path of why, you know, and if you ask yourself that question, you know, with anything that you're thinking about or anything that's standing in your way, becomes another question. Why? Why did this treatment or this therapy or this modality that I used today not work tomorrow? You know, why did it not work? Why was it working so well for a month and then a, a pain trigger or a stress trigger happened and I am seriously back to the beginning? Why, why, why? And my why wasn't on the surface. My why said, you've got to go deep. You've got to go, all right, what emotional stuff have you not worked through? What anger are you holding on to that is getting trapped, you know, and manifesting in dis-ease or discomfort and anxiety? What is literally blocking you, blocking your potential? For sure. No, I really like the layers part. Like you had said, it was just getting into like the root of your anxiety and your pain and really finding out, like you said, why is all of this happening to me? And it's really 
it's really common because a lot of people, you get injured when you're younger and nobody says anything. Nobody says, oh, this might affect you years down the road. Nobody suggests that. So you don't think about it when you start having problems or actually recognizing that maybe this isn't normal. Maybe I shouldn't be dealing with this. Or they do suggest it and you're just stubborn like all of us can be. And you just, you don't learn it after the first or the second or the 50th time. For sure. So what have you tried to help with your symptoms? What has worked? To help or just have I tried? Yeah, both. (laughs) Well, I've gone to chiropractors, TMJ specialist to get the mouth guards. I do wear the mouth guards at night, every night to stabilize things. Physical therapy has helped out tremendously. And I didn't start doing that until the tail end of last year. I did six months somewhere and gained strength that I didn't know I needed. With being a yogi and strong and physically fit and athletic, that's not where my brain was going. My brain was not going, you're not strong. My brain was not going there. I did try gabapentin for two days. Yeah, that was not, that didn't work. Tramadol for a month, that didn't work. I lost a lot of weight with that. Essential oils, some herbal supplements, tea, meditation, Reiki, tuning forks, Karaoke is a good one. Karaoke, I mean, that got me through quarantine, seriously. Yeah, me and my husband would have our little karaoke box and we'd just jam on that. We weren't going to shows anymore. We weren't being around a lot of people. And so that gave us the common kind of feel that that we were able to do. Mental health is so important with all of this and little things like that can really help. Like you would mention, you sent me images of your art. A lot of us pick up hobbies or something when we're struggling, like I like to write sometimes or when I'm stressed, I do puzzles because I can turn my brain off and just work on the puzzle. Wow, that's good that you can do that. Yeah, so it just depends on what works for you. So how has art helped you with your recovery? Just being in the hardest and the darkest And the cycles where it's days of feeling the same, where you can't get a reset or months where you cannot get a reset. You're going to your toolbox, so to speak, and you're going towards things that have helped before and they don't help. And sometimes you can't even find your toolbox. But art for me, oh, I wanted to visit this thing, this figure that was holding me back. And I thought if I got creative with it, With a meditation, I would just close my eyes and I would pretend that this figure was standing in my doorway and I was going to meet this figure. And what would this figure look like? Would it have a face? Would it have a texture? Would it have a color? You know, is it wearing any clothes? And once I met, I kind of discovered how to meet my pain. Oh my gosh, it was so, it was so amazing meeting something that you feel has been holding you back, stagnating, stunting your growth and all that you have to offer. And whenever I would meet the figure, whatever was holding me back in my imagination, I would draw it. And after I would draw it, I would hang it up. It wasn't something that I kept to myself. You know, it's one thing to talk about something, but interpreting your feelings in in artwork, it's different. So I remember one time I had some artwork and me and my daughter were buttonheads quite a bit at that time. And I did the artwork and I put it, put it on the wall and she knew what we were going through at that time. She started crying because she was so upset 
that she felt like she had made me feel this way. And that that wasn't the case that I just needed to share what was going on inside. And I would walk past it, give it high fives. And I totally loved seeing getting something out that has been under wraps or hiding. It's kind of like that unbottling feeling like we always talk about people bottle up a lot of their emotions and things. So you're kind of taking the cap off and everybody has a different way of doing that. Like you said, you do art, some people sing, some people read, some people crochet. I ride a dirt bike. (laughs) We all do different things that help us kind of alleviate a lot of that stress and feelings. Something we've talked about quite a few times on this show is how our lifestyles greatly affect the importance of symptoms. So your husband is a drummer and noise sensitivity is a huge thing for concussion survivors. So how have you adjusted your life because of that? Well, I'm still learning how to do that since I've only been diagnosed and found out the why only two years ago in 2019. I'm still trying to listen to that. I still go overboard. I still hit a wall every day. So, but I quit going to shows. I can't handle the large crowds. I can't handle the small crowds. A birthday party at my house. I think my husband thought that I just wanted to be selfish for years and not want to have birthday parties for my kids. Granted, their birthdays were both in the same month. Me and my husband's anniversary, wedding anniversary is in the same month. Like it's the month of love in May. And so it's like crazy town in May. And I'm white knuckling it the whole month. And I think he thought that I just, I don't know, with my anger and irritability and annoyance, that chronic, that I just didn't want to have birthday parties for my kids. And he's learning more that I don't make it up that it's hard for me to go to a store. I'm an extremely social person. This is things that I can't control. I quit drinking whiskey. So that's good. I did use alcohol to deal with or kind of combat the overstimulation that I feel all the time. So yeah, I quit that three years ago. I wear sunglasses. I used to never wear sunglasses, but it makes sense more. I'm definitely more vocal to my friends and family about the challenges. People don't know unless you tell them. No, I love that. It's so true. They don't. Like there's no... This is all invisible and it is an adjustment for yourself and everyone else around you, especially when you start taking control and actually trying to manage things like your symptoms and all of that. But that is such great advice. But with that, we're just going to take a short break. Therospecs are therapeutic blue light glasses for people with brain injuries, post-concussion headache, and photophobia. They filter up to 25 times more of the light that causes pain and other symptoms, making them more effective than typical blue light glasses. So if fluorescence, screens, or sunlight feel too bright or trigger your symptoms, try Therospecs risk-free for 60 days and see if you can find the protection and relief you need. Visit therospecs.com Bella and use code Bella15 for $15 off your order. Welcome back to the Post-Concussion Podcast with myself, Belle Page, and today's guest, Stephanie Curlin. So we often talk about wearing hats on this podcast because I lived in a hat for quite a few years because it was like my false security net. It made my head feel safe. I kept the sun out of my eyes. Like There was a few things that it helped with, but you said your head is too sensitive for hats, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel the same way. 
So how do you handle that? Or can you explain how it feels when you wear a hat? Well, you said you lived in a hat. I would like to be able to live in a hat if it works, you know? I did. Yeah. Like even a toque, I slept in one sometimes. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a hard time wearing hats. I have a hard time wearing necklaces. There's quite a bit of clothing that I can't wear going to shoot, going to shoot a gun. You know, you got to wear the big headphones and stuff and the loud surrounding noise in an indoor gun range is really, really hard. Just all the symptoms just come over. I've been dealing with this for so long, untreated, that the impression of pain is just like really deep. So just like an overactive nervous system. So I'll know within five to 10 minutes if I can wear some clothes. There's quite a bit of times where I'll put on an outfit, feel like rocking it. And this is what I'm going to wear, totally what I'm going to wear. And I'll be taking it off. I'll be changing. I made quite a bit of gaudy jewelry, big, chunky jewelry in my crafty days back then. And I, I can't wear those anymore. Every once in a while, I'll try it on and it'll be a good day and I won't be taking it off at a family function. And then sometimes I can't do the sunglasses, can't do the, can't do the hats. I'll wear a hat for a little bit. The physical therapist said to try to reduce the sensitivity, wear it for an hour, kind of increase your duration of wearing it. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> it may never go away. I don't know, but it's cool. Yeah. Well, no, it's definitely, it makes sense because like, as our heads, like my head was so sensitive that I wore a hat to protect from other people touching my head. Like it was kind of like I had this barrier on my head that nobody could touch it. But it also makes sense that it would create the opposite problem that your head is so sensitive. And I do notice like my motocross helmet, I got a new one the other day and I tried on about 30 because the shape and the fit matters so much to me because a little too tight in one spot, I'll get a headache or like certain hats. If they put pressure on certain parts of my head, I won't like it. So there is definitely a sensitivity there. It's just not as extreme as yours and I'm sure other people's as well. But something that we talked about before and you said you discussed it with your husband was a big thing here on the show is we talk about how our lives have changed after our head injuries. And for me, it's becoming more and more difficult because that before part in my life is actually becoming a lot less than the after. And something that you had kind of talked about was that there is really not a before. You don't remember, there wasn't a switch where all of a sudden you couldn't read and you had all these trouble. It was just kind of a gradual process. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, this whole time, me seeking the why and even being in high school and a little before that, I just thought it was hereditary anxiety. I've got family members that deal with panic disorder and anxiety and some are on medicine, you know, some choose to use, you know, drugs and alcohol to help with that. And so I just kind of summed it up to myself that okay, it's just hereditary anxiety. This person in your family has it. And this is what you got to deal with. So that was one of the main reasons why I dug so deep and have stuck with yoga for so long is to try to combat all of that. And I was trying to get to that picture, that yoga Zen picture that everybody says, hey, if you do this and this and this and this, you're going to be this 
this little baby Buddha with this fat belly. And, you know, I couldn't find that. I couldn't get there. Granted, I was continuing to injure myself the whole time while I was doing yoga and trying to lead a holistic lifestyle. I'd been with my husband for 26 years. He says that I've always been this way. He was always kind of finishing my sentences whenever I would get distracted. If kids would walk in the room, you know, if there's TV going on in the background, it's very hard to have a one-on-one conversation, you know, with other multiple things because the filter in your head is just not there anymore. I've always been easily overwhelmed, easily frustrated, annoyed, irritated. He says, I'm like a light switch. I'm never off. I'm always dim or on. Although he only remembers me complaining about the chronic headaches for the last 14, 15-ish years. So. No, it's definitely, it's just different to talk about it this way because a lot of the time we talk about, we compare to before and after. And it is harder when you have a lot of head injuries like myself because There is a before, but the before is when I was like 14 years old. And that's becoming a lot less of my life than I remember than after. But I think it's important to talk about because there's lots of people that I talk to now that they find out that it was from things that they did as a teenager and they've been dealing with these problems their whole life. You know, you don't put the pieces together and our education system on concussions is also significantly different now versus five years versus 10 versus 20. So It's changing every single day and our awareness of it is changing every single day, which is so important. Is there anything else you would like to add before we end today's episode? Well, I also want to add, I remember looking back at pictures of myself, pictures of me at a friend's wedding or a snapshot at a birthday party and stuff like that. And I know I don't like seeing pictures of myself because I can see in my eyes that something is not right, that I'm trying to put on a face, or I can see on my wedding day, the fatigue and the headache. And my daughter describes it as, oh, I see that mom, your eyes look stiff. You know what I'm saying? Your eyes look stiff. Oh, yeah. My mom calls it my eyes go dark. She always says like, my eyes, once I got a lot of help for the mental health stuff, she always said, she's like, your eyes are brighter. She's like, they were dark for a really long time. And I never really noticed it, but that's what she called it. She said, like, your eyes were dark. I always know you have a headache because your eyes are dark. And I don't recognize it, but she recognizes it a lot better than I do. Yeah, I didn't recognize that they were dark. I liked my daughter's description. Nobody has ever pointed that out to me. So it was nice to have somebody see something. You know, it's it's not a band-aid. She said, your eyes look stiff. I guess I was in denial about my injuries the whole time. I thought if I did yoga and ate right and addressed my emotional traumas, that that would pave the way for the physical healing to occur. I was totally and blindly disconnected from this one important part of the equation. The longer that you ignore what you are supposed to do in life, the gifts that you are supposed to share that you're holding on to, the more life tries to get your attention so that you will share what you have learned to help those around you. So my advice is to connect with yourself, share your experiences, and be the ripple that starts the great change in the world. Well, thank you. That's really beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining and sharing your story and all of your advice today. Yes, thank you so much. I just wanted to say thank you. The podcast is just over six months old and I couldn't be happier with the response. If you truly love the podcast, 
please consider leaving a tip in our support the podcast tip jar found at the bottom of our episode description. All tips are greatly appreciated and help cover costs of the show. Has your life been affected by concussions? Join our podcast by getting in touch. Thank you so much for listening to the Post-Concussion Podcast and be sure to help us educate the world about the reality of concussions by giving us a share. And to learn more, don't forget to subscribe.